Yo, this is Axel Rose of Guns N' Roses. Hey, this is Carmen Electra. Hi, this is Daryl Strawberry. What up, though? This is Big Snoop Deal Double G. Hi, this is Don Stallard. Hey, yo, Hulk Hogan here. What's up? This is Beyonce. I got a great show lined up for y'all. Hey, yo, yo, yo. Let's get this party started. The Sports Beat. You know what? Let's keep it hot. The Sports Beat is off the chain, man. Ah, yeah. The Sports Beat. Download the podcast now. You're listening to The Sports Beat with Richard Holdridge. What is going on, everybody? Welcome to The Sports Beat with Richard Holdridge. On this Monday, October 4th, I hope everybody had a great weekend. We have got a great show for you, including Tom Brady returning to Foxborough. The Atlanta Falcons blow yet another game. And what has to change in the organization? And who is the number one team in college football? Is it Alabama or is it Georgia? I will get into a debate about these two teams. All right, I'm going to start my show this morning talking about Tom Brady's return to Foxborough because that's what everybody hyped up for the past seven days. And the hype did not live up to the outcome. Yes, the Buccaneers won 19-17. to The Patriots had a chance to win the game, but they missed a 56-yard field goal. Mac Jones actually threw two touchdown passes. He was 31 for 40. He actually had a pretty good game. Tom Brady didn't throw a touchdown pass. The game was lackluster in the first half, and I have to be honest with you, it did not live up to the hype. Everybody was wondering if Brady and Belichick were going to meet pregame. Later found out that Belichick went to Brady's locker and met for about 20 minutes. This was a dynasty for 20 years. It was a nice reunion. Some good words will be said between the two. Tom Brady got a standing ovation. He also broke the record for the most passing yards in the game as he overtook Drew Brees. But anytime a superstar returns to the organization that superstar played for the majority of their career and had success there yes it's going to be awkward but coming back to your hometown I remember when Joe Montana left the 49ers and went to the Chiefs in 1994 the 49ers he faced the 49ers but it was in Kansas City that's a little bit different when LeBron left Cleveland went back to Cleveland as a member of the Miami Heat, got booed every time he touched the ball. Recently, Madison Bumgarner for the Arizona Diamondbacks pitching a game against the Giants at Oracle Park got a standing ovation. But this was different. This was a 20-year dynasty. And the debate continues. Who's more responsible for the dynasty, Bill Belichick or Tom Brady? Well, I know that Belichick, 8-12 and after Brady left, and Tom Brady has led the Buccaneers to a 17-6 and record, and he's won a Super Bowl. Well, the debate is over that Tom Brady is a system quarterback, but I don't know if Bill Belichick can win the way he did with Mac Jones. Brady had a lot of breaks. The AFC East was weak. Two of those Super Bowls was just unlucky. Malcolm Butler intercepting Russell Wilson in the end zone, and then the Falcons blowing the 28-3 lead. But there is no question, when it is all said and done, Tom Brady will go down as 
the greatest quarterback of all time. And he is the GOAT right now. I don't know how many more years he's going to play. I don't know how many more Super Bowls he is going to win. But what they did was special. And I made a prediction on this show that this would be the most watched regular season football game of all time. I take that back. There's a lot of Tom Brady and Bill Belichick haters that really could care less about that game. So it didn't live up to the hype. All right. If you are an Atlanta Falcons fan, you've seen this script over and over and over again. Last year, the Atlanta Falcons gave away four regular season games and this time around it seems like we're still in the twilight zone the washington football team beats the falcons 34 to 30 the story was the atlanta falcons blew yet another fourth quarter lead they had the ball up 30 to 22 now hear me out i watch these score projectors and i'm here to tell you that at one point the atlanta falcons had an 88% chance to win the game. They had a 30-22 lead, and they had the ball in the fourth quarter. You can't put this game away. Franchise quarterback, Matt Ryan, you can't put this game away. So after they took the lead and Washington punted, the Falcons, next two drives, plays for 16 yards, punt. Atlanta had a fourth and seven at their own 45-yard line. Young Way Koo punts it 25 yards to the Washington 30. You give the ball back to Washington, They march down the field, 10 plays, 70 yards for the touchdown. They miss the two-point conversion. Okay, so with 3.52 left to go in the game, the Falcons have the ball again. Three plays, six yards. They punt it back to Washington. And and you can't make this stuff up. Washington on a backup quarterback. Taylor Heineke moving the ball on Atlanta's defense. On a third and seven, J.D. McKissick got a 30-yard pass from Taylor Heineke. If Atlanta stops them right there, there's 44 seconds left to go. Atlanta still has one timeout. If Atlanta stops them there, they burn their timeout. Washington kicks the field goal to go up 31-30. to And that gives Matt Ryan a realistic shot at moving Atlanta into field goal range. Instead, J.D. McKissick goes in for the 30-yard touchdown. And Washington takes the lead 34-30. to Matt Ryan does not have enough time to get Atlanta down to the into the field to score a touchdown because now you just give in Washington a lead where Atlanta has to go down and score a touchdown. Same old story. It doesn't matter what coach is coaching the Falcons. Mike Smith, Dan Quinn, Arthur Smith. The Falcons cannot get out of their own way and their defense is not good enough to hold on to a lead and their offense gets tight and they get conservative and it is frustrating if you are a Falcons fan. I do want to say there are some bright spots in this game. Cordell Patterson did have three touchdowns. Matt Ryan threw for four touchdowns. But it is the same old story with the Falcons. It is starting to get old. And something has to happen to the front office. I know Thomas Dimitrov really messed things up for this organization by some of the drafts that he whiffed on. Traded all those picks and Julio Jones is not even on the team anymore. In the 2012 NFL draft, he drafted Peter Kahn's and Lamar Holmes and they were complete bust. He didn't have any picks in 2012 because he gave them all away to get Julio Jones. You can thank Thomas Dimitrov for not having depth on this team. In comes GM Terry Fontenot, but I think it's the culture. The culture has to change in Atlanta for them to rewrite the script. I think it's time to part ways with the Falcons president, Rich McKay. He's been in this organization for a very long time, but you don't need the same old story 
It doesn't matter who the GM is. It doesn't matter who the coach is. The culture needs to change. And Arthur Blank is getting frustrated. He almost won a Super Bowl in 2016 and he's getting up there in age he wants to see this city of atlanta succeed and have a championship down peachtree street that won't happen with this group of players it is not all matt ryan's fault he had a great game in this game it's just that when situationally when it came down to it the falcons could not put away the washington football team with the run game their offensive line is not good enough to just ground and pound and run out the clock. Talking to Falcons fans, they feel this team is a joke. And I thought they had some winnable games, but I'm not even sure about that game in London next week against the New York Jets because Zach Wilson picked up his first victory as the Jets beat the Titans. So the Falcons are 1-3, and and it is going to be a long season for them. Just going around the NFL, no question, Buffalo is one of the top teams in the AFC. They beat the Texans 40 to nothing. Justin Fields picks up his first win and the Bears are now 2 and 2. They beat the Lions. Fields actually had a much better game. Anytime you get a rookie quarterback in there and he is able to practice, he had a much better game. The Dallas Cowboys, no problem over the Carolina Panthers. The Panthers getting their first loss of the season. Dak Prescott throwing for four touchdowns. Ezekiel Elliott, 20 carries, 143 yards. See what happens when the Cowboys feed Zeke. That's exactly what they do, and they were able to control the game. Indianapolis picks up their first win of the season. Carson Wentz actually had a pretty good game. Jonathan Taylor rushed for over 100 yards. This was a nice defensive battle between the Cleveland Browns and the Minnesota Vikings. Cleveland gets the win and they're now 3-1. and one. I'm starting to believe that the Cleveland Browns are now a contender to reach the Super Bowl. They have a very good team and when they get Jarvis Landry back, Baker Mayfield will have some weapons. The surprising score of the day was the New York Giants getting their first victory as they defeated the New Orleans Saints in overtime 27-21. to 21. Of course, the Jets also picked up their first victory of the season. The Titans did not have A.J. Brown or Julio Jones in this game. Andy Reid becomes the first NFL head coach to get 100 victories with two different teams as the Kansas City Chiefs pounded the Eagles, but the score was very deceiving. They beat the Eagles 42-30. to The Chiefs were a desperate team. At 1-2, and two, coming into this game, Andy Reid facing his former team. Of course, he's going to put the hurt on his former team. And Patrick Mahomes, he's back to form. He had five touchdown passes, including three to Tyreek Hill. And we could calm down a little bit on the Chiefs because they're back. Another big surprise was in that afternoon game. The Arizona Cardinals had no problem against the Rams in L.A., the Cardinals are 4-0, and they beat the Rams 37-20. Can we start talking about Kyler Murray as a possible MVP candidate? You had the Baltimore Ravens beating the Broncos. The Broncos lose their first game of the season. The Ravens are back on track. They've won three straight. Green Bay had no problem against the Steelers. I think Pittsburgh's in trouble at 1-3. and It's time to part ways with Ben Roethlisberger. I think Mike Tomlin's going to be on the hot seat this season. But Green Bay, after losing their first game, have won three straight. But the last game I want to talk about is the Seahawks beating the 49ers. As many of you know, I am a San Francisco 49ers fan. And it was disappointing to see the Niners lose to their big rival. But some of the takeaways in this game was I was impressed with the defense. As they shut down Russell Wilson for their first five drives. But the 49ers could not capitalize. Jimmy Garoppolo had a good opening drive. The Niners took a 7-0 lead. But anytime you leave points on the board, 
Mitch Wisanowski was in for Robbie Gould. He missed a 41-yard field goal. And once Russell Wilson got that touchdown in the first half, it was over. Because Russell Wilson's going to get his points. It didn't help the muffed kickoff by Trenton Cannon. And that turned into points. And quickly, the Seahawks had a 21-7 lead on the 49ers. Jimmy Garoppolo got injured with a calf muscle. In comes Trey Lance in the first... In comes Trey Lance in the second half. Now, his numbers are deceiving. He had two touchdowns and no picks, but that was mainly garbage time because the Seahawks had a comfortable lead, and it was toward the ends of it was toward the end of the game. The Niners lost Trent Williams, and if he's out for a while, the Niners are in trouble. Their season is over. But I thought that Trey Lance shown some promise. But he is not the best rookie quarterback in this class. Right now, Mac Jones is putting up the best numbers out of all the rookie quarterbacks. But Trey Lance had an impressive game. He was 9 of 18 for 157 yards with a quarterback rating of 117, two touchdowns, zero interceptions. The big difference between him and Jimmy Garoppolo was he had more yards per attempt. And Trey Sermon had a pretty good game for the Niners, too. They're going to have a tough task next week having to take on the Arizona Cardinals, who are 4-0, and Jimmy Garoppolo may be out for a couple of weeks. Moving on to college football. Boy, that was a fun weekend. And the big debate around the area where I live is who is the better college football team. Is it Georgia or is it Alabama? I've been attacked by some hardcore Alabama fans saying that I need to be quiet that I don't know what I'm talking about but I have watched these two teams play and what Georgia is doing is dominant their defense has historically been dominant as they shut out a pretty good Arkansas team that beat Texas and Texas A&M they were number eight coming into this game I was worried because it was a noon kickoff but Georgia was able to dominate and get the 37 to nothing victory over the Razorbacks JT Daniels did not play because of an injury in comes Stetson Bennett he had no problem he was able to control the game with the running game and Georgia's defense pitches another shutout. Meanwhile, Alabama beats Ole Miss 42 to 21 and I predicted that Ole Miss was going to move the ball in Alabama. Alabama's defense came out and stifled the best quarterback in the SEC. Matt Corral could not do what he wanted. He did get a garbage touchdown late. Ole Miss did put up 21 points in Alabama, but it was a dominant win for Bama from start to finish. They took advantage of some of the miscues by Lane Kiffin. First of all, Lane Kiffin goes for it on fourth down to start the game. They're at the Alabama 6, so Ole Miss is driving down the field because the goal is to match Alabama score for score. You have the ball first. You want to go up and get that 7-0 lead, and he could not capitalize there. And he went for it on fourth down. Alabama, of course, drives down the field and gets another touchdown. And then Lane Kiffin goes for it again on his own 47. Overall, Lane Kiffin went for it three different times in this game. And, of course, there was also the fumble that caused the game to be 28 to nothing. Alabama had the ball to start the second half, and they went up 35 to nothing. By that time, it's over. Although I feel that Arkansas is a better team than Ole Miss, and we'll find out next week when they play each other. The difference between Alabama and Georgia is 
Alabama's defense takes their foot off the gas pedal. I feel that Georgia's defense slightly has a little bit more depth than Alabama. Now, Alabama's great, and this is where I'm getting attacked. I said that Alabama is great, but right now, after the first four games of the season, Georgia is the best team in college football. They are playing like it, and Alabama is right there with them. Really, it's Georgia, Alabama, and everybody else. Clearly, college football has two top teams and it's Georgia and Alabama. Now Georgia will be slightly tested next week when they take on Auburn in the Plains. Georgia is a double digit favorite but Auburn and rightfully so roll in the toilet paper at Toomer's Corner by beating LSU for the first time in Death Valley since 1999 and Bo Nix he looked great at times as he was channeling his Johnny Manziel getting out of the pocket several times and there was one touchdown play which was incredible i wish i was a video podcast and i could show you the highlights because it was amazing you got to watch the highlights for yourself so that's going to be a big game next week georgia and auburn and of course it's a big game here in columbus because those are the two teams that most people in this area root for and alabama will take on texas a&m and that is going to be the night cbs game texas a&m got a disappointing loss to mississippi state but the big shocker in the SEC was Kentucky beating Florida for the first time in Lexington since 1986. Florida has dominated this series, but recently Kentucky has beaten them twice. And now Kentucky's 5-0, and and they're ranked, and they take on LSU next week. So Kentucky is starting to become a major player in the SEC East. They got a good defense. Mark Stoops has done a great job over there in Lexington. Tennessee is back on track after getting a big victory over Missouri, putting up 62 points. The one game I'm looking forward to in a couple of weeks is when Lane Kiffin returns to Knoxville as Ole Miss will take on Tennessee. All right, so Stanford gets a big win over number three, Oregon. Oregon is officially out of the college football playoff. I don't think there's going to be any team in the Pac-12 that's going to be considered for the college football playoff now. And it was a great win for Stanford. Oregon actually, what's crazy about this game was Oregon had a 24-17 lead in the ball game and they had the ball in their own territory. And at one time, they had a win probability of 99.9. Stanford was able to march down to the field. They got a touchdown to send it to overtime and then Stanford won it in overtime, 31-24. to And this is the third time I remember in the last 10 years where Stanford was able to beat Oregon and Oregon was in the top five. What's disappointing about this was Stanford got a big win over Oregon. This was a big game, yet Stanford Stadium only had 31,000 fans. That is a joke. College football in Northern California is a joke. I lived in Northern California the majority of my childhood and up until 2005. I was 26 when I left. The majority of my young adulthood I lived in Northern California. Now, I admit, I wasn't the greatest college football fan until I got to the South. In Northern California, the culture is the Giants, the A's, the 49ers, and the Raiders when they were still in Oakland. Nobody cares about Cal and Stanford, unless you went to the school. Cal, the same way, a half-filled stadium going up against Washington State. This game, one of the biggest games this season for the Stanford Cardinal at half capacity. Now, I know there's COVID restrictions, but if you're vaccinated, you get to go to the game. I'm disappointed that nobody's paying attention to Stanford and what they have done in college football over the last 10 years with Jim Harbaugh, and David Shaw. He's a great coach. And back in 2009, when Stanford went to the Orange Bowl against Virginia Tech, nobody cared. When they went to the Fiesta Bowl against Oklahoma State, 
nobody cared. When they went to the Rose Bowl and they won and they beat Iowa, nobody cared. Stanford has been a great program the last decade and nobody in Northern California cares at all. And really what David Shaw has been doing, now he struggled the last couple of seasons. 2019 he goes 4-8 and eight, and then last year Stanford only played six games. He went 4-2. and two. Actually wasn't a bad season. So David Shaw did have one bad year but in 2011 he went to the Fiesta Bowl. He won the Rose Bowl in 2016, lost the Rose Bowl in 2013 and then in 2015 he won the Rose Bowl again. Stanford since 2009 has gone to five major bowls and if it wasn't for some losses I think in 2015 they finished third in the country and they had two losses that season I think they would have gotten into the college football playoff if it wasn't for some miscues so the new college football rankings are out Alabama's number one Georgia stole some first place votes they got nine first place votes in the new rankings Iowa moved up to number three after that impressive victory Friday night against Maryland Penn State is number four That's going to be a massive showdown next week between Iowa and Penn State. Number three versus number four. Cincinnati beats Notre Dame and now they're ranked fifth. Is this going to be the first time that a non-Power 5 school is going to make the college football playoff? Cincinnati has a shot. Oklahoma barely beat Kansas State and they don't change in the rankings. They're now sixth. They got a big game against Texas next week. Ohio State, after beating Rutgers, they move up to seven and now they can run the table because if they beat Penn State and they beat Michigan, They're back in the conversation for the college football playoff. Oregon lost to Stanford, so they dropped to number 8. Michigan is now in the top 10 after beating Wisconsin on the road for the first time since 2001. BYU got a big victory against Utah State Friday night. They're in the top 10. Michigan State is number 11. They moved up in the rankings. Oklahoma State moved up in the rankings. They're now number 12. Oklahoma State gets overlooked every preseason college football ranking yet they continue winning and now they're 5-0 and and they move up in the rankings. Arkansas drops in the rankings Notre Dame drops in the rankings. You got Coastal Carolina that's still number 15. Kentucky moves into the top 25. They're now 16 and they play LSU next week Ole Miss falls to 17. Auburn jumps in the rankings after that big win over LSU. They're ranked 18th. Wake Forest is now number 19. Florida is the only two-loss team in the top 25. They fall all the way to 20. Texas is back in the rankings at 21. Arizona State back in the rankings at 22 after beating UCLA. North Carolina State is in the rankings. And SMU 5-0, and they're now ranked 24th. They will play Cincinnati later in the year, and that's going to be a big game. And then San Diego State is in the top 25. Clemson, for the first time since 2014, drops out of the top 25 rankings. Is the dynasty over for the Clemson Tigers and Dabo Sweeney? That is the big question. Looking at the other local scores for all the Georgia teams in college football, Pittsburgh beats Georgia Tech at Bobby Dodd 52-21 just when you thought that Georgia Tech has turned the corner. They end up losing that game at home. You got Kennesaw State getting a big win over Jacksonville State. And you got Mercer getting a big win over Samford, 45-42, in front of a packed house in Macon. Wow, at the five-star stadium in Macon, 11,000 fans watching Mercer. Now 3-1. and one. I'm going to have to start paying attention to Mercer. They're 3-1. and one. Their only loss is to Alabama. 
where they put up 14 points against Alabama. Can we start talking about Mercer as, as possibly going to the FCS playoffs this year? Yeah, I'm going to have to start giving Mercer some more love. And of course, in NCAA Division II, West Georgia loses their first game as they lost to West Alabama. And then you also had Georgia State losing to Appalachian State, but Georgia Southern was able to get a big victory with a new head coach over Arkansas State 59-33. to Of course, LaGrange College had a bye this week. I will go ahead and I will preview all the local college football games this week and all the high school games as well. We had a very big high school weekend, including Central, who is now 7-0 on the season after beating Auburn 21-7. Central is poised to win another state title, but they got a big matchup this Friday night as they will take on Prattville at the Garrett Harrison Stadium in Phoenix City. And then over on the other side of the river, the top team in Georgia is Carver after getting a big victory at A.J. McClung Stadium over LaGrange. As many of you know, I am the public address announcer for Russell County High Football, and they suffered a defeat to Opelika 52-35. Opelika, one of the top teams in 6A for the state of Alabama, but I was impressed with the fight from Russell County, putting up 35 points, and they will travel to Sidley Lanier this Thursday night in a Region 2 matchup. They're 5-2 and two on the season, and hopefully they can make a run and possibly get into the playoffs. All right, switching gears, I'm going to talk about baseball. Despite all the football going on this weekend, I was paying attention to some of these pennant races, and for the first time ever during football season, I actually watched a regular season game as I am a San Francisco Giants fan. On Sunday, I was keeping track of that score against the Padres, but the San Francisco Giants were able to clinch. They get their franchise record 107 wins, and they win the NL West for the first time since 2012 denying the Dodgers a repeat of their division and many of the baseball writers and experts picked the Dodgers to win the NL West. Now the Dodgers are still the odds on favorite to win the World Series but the road is going to be tougher because on Wednesday they will take on the St. Louis Cardinals for a one game playoff and that could go either way. Max Scherzer is going to take the mound for the Dodgers. Adam Wainwright going to take the mound for the Cardinals. Wainwright pitches in big games all the time and so this is going to be crazy as Now we have the postseason set in Major League Baseball. On Tuesday, we got a massive wildcard game in the American League. The New York Yankees taking on the Boston Red Sox. The winner of that game will take on the Tampa Bay Rays. On Wednesday, you got the Cardinals and the Dodgers. The baseball playoffs start on Thursday as the White Sox will take on the Astros. And then the winner of the Yankees-Red Sox will take on the Rays. On Friday, you have a quadruple header. We don't have the times just yet, but you got the White Sox-Astros, either the Yankees or Red Sox going up against the Rays. And then Game 1, the winner of the Dodgers-Cardinals going up against the Giants. And then you have the Braves taking on the Brewers. The Atlanta Braves have already named their starter for Game 1. It is going to be Charlie Morton. For the San Francisco Giants, many of the baseball fans want to see the Giants. Giants and the Dodgers in the division series and that would be great the Giants needed to win the division so they can get home field advantage they won the season series against the Dodgers by winning 10 games out of 19 and that is something I want to see as well as a Giants fan and of course as a baseball fan as these two historic rivals have never met in the postseason gonna touch up a little bit on Major League Soccer Atlanta dropped a crucial match against CF Montreal 2-1 to over the weekend and right now Atlanta United is on the outskirts of the playoffs. Remember, only seven teams get in for the playoffs. 
and Atlanta United is at 39 points. They are one point behind three teams that are fighting for the playoff berths. DC United, NYCFC, and Montreal, all with 40 points. So it is going to be crucial in the season for Atlanta United as their next match will not be until October the 16th when they will take on Toronto FC. So good luck to Atlanta United this season. I always want to just try to give them love on this show. I cannot wait for the baseball playoffs. I will talk about these crucial games coming up. We got a big Monday night game tonight between the Las Vegas Raiders and the Los Angeles Chargers and I will try to recap these games on tomorrow's show and that is all the time I have on the show. I want to thank everybody that has listened to my podcast, downloaded and subscribed to my Facebook channel. Don't forget that I'm on five days a week. This podcast is growing. It is the month of October and this podcast is going to continue getting bigger and bigger. So thank you for listening and I will talk to you tomorrow. Bye everybody. You've been listening to The Sports Beat with Richard Holdry. We invite you to download and subscribe. You can find us on Anchor, Spotify, Google Cast, Stitcher, iTunes, or wherever fine podcasts are found. Thanks for listening. Feel free to share with your friends and family. This has been The Sports Beat, with your host, Richard Holdry. Produced in Columbus, Georgia. Extra production provided by J.D. Matthews. All opinions stated herein are those of the host and do not represent the opinions of Anchor Podcasts. Copyright 2020. All rights reserved.